Go ahead and love on someone today. Compliment them. Introduce yourself if you don't know them. And then you can be seated. Praise God. How's everyone doing this morning? Good, good. You all look great. You look awesome. You look fantastic. You look good. You look good, too. You look good. Too early. We haven't even go, started. Go, go, go. Give right. you a compliment. So now, this whole month, we're really talking about building blocks for relationships. On Sunday, my wife and I will be uh, ministering really about the subject of love, and we have different titles for each week. Then we have a dynamic couple on Wednesday nights. The Martins will talk more about them at the end of service, and they're going to minister as well. Then we'll break out into connect groups, and we're going to put, put people in groups with other like-minded people who are doing life and going through life the same way that they are and in the same season that they're going through it. And so on today, my wife and I, we're going to minister on the subject of facing love. The entire series is face-to-face, but today we're going to talk about facing love. And so point number one, if you're following along today, you can follow along two ways, the YouVersion Bible app, but you can also follow along in our linked up app as well. And so all of the notes, the outlines will be right there. Add your notes to it because we'll certainly give you more uh, than what's in that outline. Uh, and we're, you're going to be blessed. This is one of my favorite things to do as a minister along with my wife. And so let's get right into this. Because hmm? I make you better. You do. You do. You do. I admit that. <laughs> Good morning to our online audience as well. We love having you, and you can engage as well, same way. All right. Facing love. Let's talk about that. Number one, point number one. Everyone here was made to love and to be loved. I mean, I would agree with that statement that you were made to love, but you were also made to be loved. Raise your hand if you agree with that statement today. There's no doubt about it. All of us were made to love, but all of us were also made to be loved. Turn to John chapter 3, and let's read verses 16 and 17. Today I'll read out of the King James Version. St. John chapter 3, 16 and 17, very popular verse. I'm sure they'll be holding it up at the Super Bowl today. It's really at all of the sporting events. It's just really a popular verse in our society today. So everyone here was made to love and to be loved. John 3, 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world. So notice, he didn't just love it. He so loved it. So, so it was his heart's desire. God loved the world so much that he gave. So notice, love also has action behind it, right? And we really know how much someone loves us more by what they do than what they say. Yep. Would you all agree with that statement, right? What you said means something to me, but, but I can feel your actions, right? So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life or eternal life. I want to focus in on something here. For God sent not his son, verse 17, into the world to condemn. That's so right. notice, with God, there is never condemnation. That's right. That's right. right. If it's God's love, it has no condemning qualities to it. Right. And this word condemn here literally means to punish, to damn, to judge, or to avenge. And a lot of times, 
life happens to us, and sometimes the first thing we think is, why did God allow this to happen to me? And sometimes we associate God with punishment or us being avenged or maybe something that we did in life has caught up to us. Mm. I came to tell you today that that's not God's love. That's not. I said I came to tell you today that that's not God's love. His love will never condemn you. But then notice what it goes on to say. It will describe what his love will do for you. It says here, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be what? Saved. So his heart's desire is that whatever you're going through, he sent his son to deliver you from it. The Greek word for saved here is sozo, and it literally means to deliver, to protect, to heal, to preserve, to cause, to do well, watch this, but also to make whole. So whatever it is that you're going through right now, God sent his son to deliver you from it. He sent his son to protect you while you're in it. He sent his son to heal you. He sent his son to preserve you. He sent his son to cause you to do well. And he sent his son to make everything in your life whole. So whatever is not right, it has the ability to be made whole if you'll believe in God's love for that situation. That's right. So, you know, understanding this thing, relationships. The foundation is er in every relationship is for us as believers particularly to possess the unconditional love of God. There is a rock, there's a foundation of love that must emanate from us regardless of what the status of the position is. But all too often, we don't have that right. So if we don't have Christian love right, then I can't love my neighbor. I can't love myself. I can't love my husband. And I sure can't love those coworkers. And then them teenage kids, ooh, ooh, I shudder to think. It's hard to continue in love with them if we don't have a foundation. So number two, in that understanding of what love is and, and, and who we are in this thing called love, the truth is, is that everyone here, everyone listening, everyone watching has been hurt by someone they love or thought loved them or has hurt someone they love. That is the truth. If you have loved someone, if you thought someone loved you, there has been a reciprocating hurt. Whether intended or not intended, it hurts you. And the reality is, is that's what happens in love. Love, we all too often confuse love with agreement. Love is not agreement. Agreement is agreement. When we're getting along, we all love each other. We get along with the stranger at the grocery store because they let me go in front. They love me. No, that's agreement. Turn with me to Luke chapter 17. Because if that were not the case, we would not have been commanded over and over and over again to forgive. If that were not the case, God would not have had a byproduct of mercy instilled in us. In fact, he made it conditional upon our relationship with him. He said, forgive others so that we, he may forgive us. Yeah. Luke chapter 17, verses 3 and 4 in the King James, it says, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. Now let's pause. Rebuke. It's the Greek word that means both censor and admonish. It's not just 
who do you think you are? I'm a grown woman. And some of y'all insert another word in there. <laughs> grown woman. Some of y'all still getting delivered, right? 21 days of fasting and prayer. I'm removing <laughs> customs. Amen. No, but listen, love does not mean you're being that you have to be a doormat to anybody. That's right. In fact, it's love when you can tell your neighbor the truth in right. love. Right. Again, it means to censor and admonish. In other words, there's times where you have to communicate what wasn't cool. That's just as much love as it was when you communicate, dang, thank you, that was awesome. That was mighty considerate and kind of well, that's you. That's good, that's good. It's still rebuke because what you're reminding them of, you're talking to them about what needs, to, what needs to be done to reinforce the relationship. So sometimes it's necessary, it's good. And in fact, it's a greater demonstration of love when we have those uncomfortable conversations. Continuing on, it says, and if we repent, if he repents, forgive him. And if he trespasses against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn thee again, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive them. When someone's offering repentance, when someone's saying, you know, I didn't mean that, we have a responsibility to give them a chance. We have a responsibility. And if they're saying that, then oftentimes we leave them there and think that they're just going to do right the next time. But we didn't exercise the communication necessary to encourage them to teach them how to treat me. We teach people how to treat us. That's right. That's right. By both what we don't say and what we do say. That's good. As well as how we act and don't act. No, that's good. So when we do those things, when someone comes to us and say, you know, I didn't, that wasn't cool, that wasn't, I didn't mean for it to go down like that, and there's a conversation had, we also have a responsibility now to reciprocate the teachings on how we relate to one another. That's good. So now, I just noticed here, it says seven times in a day. So human nature for us is, if one, I told you one two, time, three, four. Come on, don't five. look at me like that. If I asked you to pick those clothes up, I'm just going to stay in our house. If I asked you, she asked me to pick those clothes up, right? And she came back and they weren't picked up. Yeah. And I said, my bad, I, I repent, my bad, I'll get them. But watch this. If I don't get them and I come back again and she said, babe, I thought I asked you to pick those clothes up. My bad, I repent, my bad, I'll get them. But I still don't get them. I mean, you know, that's getting ready to turn into something else with us. Come on, don't look at me like that. Am I right or wrong? That's getting ready to turn into something else. But real maturity, now, now again, I'm seeing something over here, because how I many know that's when our hands get to clapping like, now, we already talked about this. Right or wrong? And we're getting ready to check out right there, right? Now, I was just watching you while you were ministering, and I was trying to figure out, am I in the sanctuary or a grocery store? Because I've been checking you out all morning. Yeah. You silly. <laughs> number three. Point number three. You are looking good today, though. Point number three. We as Christians are commanded to love one another, our neighbor, watch this now, and even our enemies. Now, I'm all right with loving one another. I'm all right with loving my neighbor. I mean, you know, sometimes the people closest to us 
can become our enemies. All along. There's a thin line between love and hate. A lot of times, because they're so close to us, it's real easy for the one that I love today to be my enemy tomorrow. I'm preaching real good right now. A lot of times when we think enemy, we think person out on the street. I mean, a lot of times it's right in our own houses, right on our jobs. These are usually people that are in close proximity. Usually someone doesn't become an enemy unless they were first. Yep. Something happened. Some, you did something. Now the relationship supposed. But let me appendix that. I know we said something, but let me put in a little appendix or a little footnote there. And I just want to say this because this happens a lot, even amongst grown folks. There's nothing more immature than enemy by association. So just because me and Diane have beef, now I, my, I, none of my friends can be friends with Diane. Because I wasn't told all my friends what Diane did to me. And, and so loyalty to friend, me means you got to ice Diane because of what she did to me. Whereas one of them might have had a really good relationship with Diane. So good. Allow people to experience people for themselves. Yes, there might be an edge. If someone crossed my husband, yeah, there might be an edge, but I'm going to treat him. I'm still going to love him. Right. I'm gonna, I just know the degree to which I can trust him. But I'm not about to go and cut him. I don't know. I don't, What's your know. I got I don't know. What Turn you? with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, 43 and 44. We as Christians, we're talking about facing love. All of us have to deal with this subject of love and what is our understanding of it. We're trying to love other people without the proper understanding of what love is. And this is what makes it so complicated. Let's read here. We as Christians are commanded to love one another, our neighbor, and even our enemy. Matthew 5, 43 and, and 44. Let's read this here. Uh, we know that this is all a part of the Beatitudes and, and Jesus' teaching up on the mount. It says here, you have heard that it has been said, thou shalt love. Now that word love there is agapeo. So he's talking about in the social or moral sense. I have a social and a moral, moral responsibility to love my brother or my sister. He says to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. The word hate there means to love less or to detest. Now we're all human beings. All of us can think about somebody that, 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 that we detest. The light is in my eye, get it? Would everyone say that's an accurate statement? All of us can think of at least one person that I can do without them. I don't really need to see them again. If we never talked another day in our lives, I'm good with that. Come on, church. Come on, don't leave me out here by myself. Am I right or wrong? Right? It's human nature. So he says here, but I say to you. So in other words, cancel out all of that. But I say to you, so this is higher. This is now his love. See, that first part is our love. Now we're talking about his love. He says, but I say to you, love your enemies. 
in the social moral sense, I have a responsibility to love those that love me less and that detest me. So it demonstrates my love walk and my maturity in his love when I can know that that's how you feel about me, but I still maintain my walk. So he says here, but I say to you, love your enemies. Now watch this, bless. Never look this word up, bless, because when we see it, right, we think I need to do something for them. That's not what he's talking about here. This word bless here, I never looked it up before, is a Greek word, eulogio. It's where we get our word eulogize. Do you know what he's literally talking about? To speak well of. And I know they detest me, but I won't put my mouth on them. Oh, Lord. It means to speak well of. It means to bless. Watch this. It means to thank. Literally means to invoke a benediction upon. It means to prosper. And it means to praise. You know, it's real maturity when you are detesting me and I'm complimenting you. It's real maturity when you found everything that's wrong in me and about me, but I'm looking for what's right in you. Watch this. This is so rich here. So he says, but I say to you, love your enemies, eulogio them that curse you. So, so the word curse here means to speak your doom. I mean, you know, everyone doesn't want to see you do well or your marriage do well or your kids do well. So while they're speaking your doom, you're speaking blessings over them. says, do good to them that hate you, watch this now, and then pray for them which despitefully. I looked up this word despitefully, and it literally means that threatens you, that insults you, that slanders you, that falsely accuses you. Can you know that about them and still do good for them? Because watch this, sometimes they live right in your house. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. I said sometimes they live right in your house, work right in your same building, live next door to you, got their phone number in your, in your phone. But, but he didn't stop there, babe. Listen to this, what he said. He used to meet so, Barry to him. Yeah, and he says, and persecute. Listen to this, and persecute. You know what the word persecute means? You ever had someone pursue you? They are so upset with you mm -hmm. that they are attack. looking for you. Yeah. Literally means to follow hard after and to press towards you. So you got to see that coming and have something developed on the inside of you to respond with God's kind of love. Because how many of you know, typically with us, you come at me with wrong words. I got something for you. And, the, and depending on where you want to go with this and what level of aggression you want to demonstrate, we can take this to the next level. Come on, am I the only one in here willing to be honest? But it takes some maturity to see that coming and respond with God's love. That's right. 
So then the question now is, what is love? What love is? Because, see, we can't leave it up to ourselves to define love, right? We have to go back to the originator of love to define what love is. Actually, you were supposed to carry on that point. You want me to carry on that carry point? Carry on that point. You look good talking, but just don't take a long time, because that was a long point you just said. <laughs> you know I don't, we I don't, about I don't, the back. You know I don't we even about know where back. to go next you with that. You know we talked about the back. <laughs> All right. So, so nothing good, favorable, powerful, or oh, you know consensual. No, no. I'm yeah. sorry. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, see, see. See how I was going to help you out, though? I See repent, I baby. I you repent. You have I write, a responsibility That's why I write my name give me a kiss. where it's my give turn. Me a kiss. It's real simple. If you write your name, you would have knew. But you see how I didn't even? I just went on, and I'm getting ready to minister her point, too. Since you're not paying attention, I'll just minister your point, too. You quit staring at me all the time and See? getting all caught up. I'm inserting a point. See, Scripture also says that love covers a multitude of sins. <laughs> Keep it flowing. No, but what love is? What is love? Its significance is so great and it is so mighty. You're so silly. It is. There's no success. There's no failure. There's no accomplishment. There's no education. There's no degree of attackhood. There's no degree of self-defense that can outdo love. That's right. There's no greater power withstanding love. There isn't. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The one who defines love is the originator of it himself. So turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm sorry, 13. I'm going to read to you uh, quickly the message translation, and then we're going to volley back and forth to break it down for you a little bit. Is that all right? Yes. So, 1 Corinthians 13 in the message interpretation, verse 3 is where I will pick up. Paul says, if I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Love doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Doesn't revel in when others grovel. Takes pleasure in the flowering of the truth. Puts up with anything. Trusts God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Inspired speech will someday uh, will overcome will be over someday, praying in tongues will end, understanding will reach its limit. We only know a portion of the truth, and what we say about God is always incomplete. So I'll stop there, because what we need to understand that if we have everything and give it away, and it's not for love, we're doing it for self-recognition. If we get all this education and it's not motivated by love, then we just want it to be pompous. There's no greater significance and no greater power than love in the earth. All right, so now, what love is, right? What love is, number one, love is a decision. I mean, it's not a feeling. Because if it was, I don't always feel like loving. If I, if I relied on my feelings, I'd make the wrong decision nine out of ten times. 
Love is a decision, and it never gives up. Once love makes a decision, it never gives up on the decision that it made. I mean, once God decided to love us and give his son for us, there was no going back on that decision to love. And I mean, we haven't all been right our whole saved lives, but it never stopped him from loving us, did it? Let me, and even though, because a lot of us depict or measure our love by the way we trust somebody or our ability or inability to trust somebody, you can still love somebody though you don't trust them. It's just the status, of the conditions under which you behave might have changed, but you can still, in fact, you still have a responsibility to love them. And that's where you need to come back on Wednesday nights, talking about uh, the anatomy of love with uh, Kenyon and um, Takara Martin. They're really going to break stuff like that down. Number two, love is a commitment. When love says, I'm going to love, when love says, I'm going to love, when love says, I'm going to love, that means love says, I'm going to love. It can put up with anything. Anything? Anything. Like I said, the, the degree in error, because see, we define love, you know, we can love, I love food. I love my house. I love my staff. I love this church. I love my husband. Are they all the same love? We didn't get into it, but I encourage you to do a study on love, because there's what, five, four different definitions of, four different kinds of love. But when we're talking about love being a commitment, we're talking about the foundational love, which is the agape, yo, that God's kind of love. That's good. All right. Number three, love is a sacrifice, which means it never looks back. All right? It's a sacrifice. It truly is. If you're going to make a decision to love the way God has loved us, then it will require some level of sacrifice on your part. Love is an act of faith. It keeps going to the end. When you say I do to somebody, you are not forecasting arguments. When you are sitting there, standing there, gazing into each other's eyes, talking about your vows until death do us part, you were, you're not broadcast, you're not forecasting. It's nowhere in your thought life that this person may have cancer one day. It's not in your thought life you know, just about the events that happened last week, that you're going to not be with this person at the age of 37, 38, 39 years old. So love is a sacrifice. Love is an act of faith. We're believing that. I'm believing the best in you, and I'm going to love you till I see the best in you. That's good, which means, you know, faith works by love. So there may be some seasons in here where on either side, we might not be the most lovable. Yeah. Anybody in here married? Would you tell the truth? Are there, have there been some seasons? Don't lie. I, yes. know, they're, I know they're sitting yes. right next to you. Yes, I'm loud to yes. But don't, don't be scared right now. Please don't be scared. Have there been some seasons where you had to love by faith? Say it like you mean it. Say it like you might be in that season right now. No, 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 no. Don't no, do that no, one no. now. Don't do that one. I don't want to mess your Sunday up. All right? So, no, love is an act of faith. Also, watch this. Number five, love is powerful. It makes the decision to trust God always. Regardless of what I'm looking at, I am going to trust God in this situation. 
Number six, love is universal. We all need it, we all want it, and we all got to have it. It takes pleasure in the flowering truth. In that is the purity of truth. When we love each other in truth, when we, just, it just, when we exercise God's kind of love, there's a pleasantry. There's an honor. There's a respect that's just automatically reciprocated. We think something's wrong with somebody when we walk by and say, hi, how you doing? They just... But most of us have a typical default response to say, hi, thanks, good, how are you? Most of us. It takes pleasure in the flowering truth. And then number seven, love is selflessness, not selfishness. Love is selflessness. That means it cares more for others than for self. Which means there will be some times through this love walk when your needs aren't being met. And because love is selfless, I still am developed enough to meet your needs, even though mine aren't being met. See, a lot of times in a marriage, I can only speak to the male side. Usually if I'm not right, if I'm not in a good mood, if things aren't going well, all she really needs to do is to think about the last time we, you know, you know, you know, just think about the last, how much time has gone by. And if she'll just minister in that area right there. How many of y'all know all my vital signs getting ready you to come back? Carnal. You just went carnal. You just went carnal. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You just went I'm carnal, sorry. honey. I'm sorry. We are carnal. Uh, well, let's see. Let's, let's, <laughs> so that's some of the snippets of what love is. Now let's talk about what love is not. Okay. What love is not. There was a Psychology Today 2017 article that talked about the in love state. How many of you have heard this, or you probably said it as well as heard it, I love them, but I'm not in love with them. That's like in the friend zone. That's like No, 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 no. That's, that's flesh. That's flesh. That's horniness. That's mm. carnality. Love them. It says that there's a euphoric emotion attached to the act of falling in love that is totally isolated from what love really is. Even when we do premarital counseling, and if you are a couple here, linked up church, we don't marry you if you did not go through premarital counseling. And here we do it in an exhaustive measure because we want to make sure that you are fully informed, be, as, as informed as possible before you say I do. We take it seriously because we, we don't plan to be some type of character witness to a divorce case. But so, we don't need all that because we're in love. We, we're, we're grown folks. I don't need nobody else telling me what to do or how to live my life. I know I love you. You know you love me. But, so what, we just but need that to depends get on what your love is. Because if your love is your love and I have a different, 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 different definition of love, then we ain't loving nothing but ourselves. But I don't see why we need to go down to that church for counseling. I, what's the purpose of that? We're grown people. We're grown. That's full of mistakes. That needs someone who's not us making sure we're looking at the raw facts. Because within our premarital counseling regimen, there's this measure that's called idealistic distortion. We measure idealistic distortion. In other words, you know how they say love is blind? Marriage is an eye Marriage opener. Marriage is an eye opener. Uh, mar marriage will open your eyes up real, real wide. I thought. And oftentimes, we get that euphoric state mixed up with what love really is. That's so good. let's talk about what love is not. 
Number one, love is not talking all the time. You know, when you was on the phone, if you, have, if you go back to my age when there was only one phone in the house, and y'all on the phone sneaking past the bedtime, and it's time to get off the phone because you're sleepy, you hang up first. You hang up first. No, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. You hang up first. I just want to hear you breathe. Because y'all just got through talking for three hours. How many of you, when you first met your spouse, y'all talked all the time? Then all of a sudden you got married and like, you only talk about what you need or what's going on or when it's necessary. It's not talking all the time. That is called dating, the exchange of data. Once we've exchanged data, we've downloaded it and we think you know you a little bit, the talking seems to run out. And it's that decision to continue on after the talking ran out that, um, that we can move on. I put in there swelled head. Because a lot of times when we're talking, we like to say things the other person want to hear. After a while. And of course, we're compatible. Of course, I'm in love because I done swelled your head. Girl, are you tired right now? <laughs> Come on. Because you've been running through my mind all service long. Number two. <laughs> Number two. Love is not butterflies in the stomach. You all remember that? And daydreams all day. You remember that? Just thinking about when the next time you're going to see them. Right? So it's not that. Doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love is not that. How I many of we got to grow out of that kind of love? Because the reality is you're going to see them in a marriage scenario you're going to see them more not looking the way you saw them when you met them. That's why you all need to have come to single people, have come to Jesus dates before you get married. You know what those are? Come as you are. No makeup. No eyes. No nothing. Watch this. Regular hair, regular. They're going to they're gonna see that. Regular. And let's see if we still love each other. I encourage that single people. All no. the single people say. Amen. Oh, I heard women saying amen. You're going to take your weave off, girl. You're going to see it sooner gonna or later. You're going to peel off the my lashes. You're going to see it sooner or later. You're going to let go of that Brazilian butt lift. <laughs> what about when them spanks just go, ah. <laughs> just everything, just. I can breathe now. walking around all day. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Number three, what love is not? Love is not we look good together. We're going to have some pretty kids. So he got good hair. She got all the right things in the right places. Love is not we look good together because after a while, people age. Time happens. Gravity happens. Hair happens. I had waves. I had waves, whether you believe it or not. Boy, I used to get that Diane number seven, and boy, I, I had waves. 
Those days are gone forever. Some but they do have stuff out there for us now. They do have stuff. No, LeBron I, got plugs up we there. We keep talking you. about it. No, I love you balls. I don't, I don't like you with hair. LeBron it's gonna edge. It's, it's gonna mess with my love. These high level it's gonna let mess with my love. All right, I ain't no okay. I'm saying just yeah, like you're saying just like that. So it doesn't strut. You know, you can say you look good together now, and it's all about how we look. And pride takes place, and then all of a sudden, life change. He's gaining. He's just as pregnant as you are. <laughs> Except he don't have the baby. Come on, stay off She's of the filled fellas, out man. and still losing the baby weight and the baby 22 years old. And in our minds, we think we still look good together, but things have changed. And he sees me a different way, she sees him a different way. No, love, does, love is not just looking good together. Love is not we have so much in common. Right? A lot of people marry and get together because they think they have so much in common. We both have the same level of, level of education, right? All kind of different things. That's not really love. We're going to keep going because we spent a lot of time. Okay, love is not, he understands me. She understands me. You're the only one that Everybody, gets me. Yes. We have the same background. We came from the same hood. They knew me from high school. They saw me when I... No, it's not always that because, see, you don't really get to understand somebody unless you spend extensive time in close quarters. Mm -hmm. In fact, psychologist says that the euphoric, stage, the euphoric nature of the falling in love act can last up to two years. You don't really know anyone until you're in year three. Yeah. See, we married each other because we thought we understood each other. Then after we got married, we realize we don't understand each other. I'm still Watch trying this. to understand them sometimes. Still trying to understand each other. And if we don't consistently see love, love knows how to work through all those differences. Because different seasons of life, we act differently. It says here, it doesn't revel when others grovel, whether it's our neighbor, our coworker, or our spouse and our children. Mm -hmm. The, uh-huh, I told you so isn't love's response. Love's response is, how do we grow from this? Mm. Love is not sex. Mm. See, a lot of people if you love get me, lost in that moment right you there. Love me, you give me some. Will you, you marry, marry me? me? <laughs> Listen, don't ever make decisions in that state. Come on, we all grown folks in here. How many of y'all can look back over the course of your life before you got saved and say, I made some stupid decisions in that moment? <laughs> Raise your hand. That. I'm going to call. I'm going to snatch the devil out of you right now. Raise your hand if you can look back over the type course of your life. Amen. Online, type Top online. Amen. Type online. You know I'm talking, telling the truth right now. You're going to find out love is not sex. Brandy, you, you better be typing all the on, Brandy, Lisa, and uh, you better be typing. All, yeah, amen. That's her friends, and they got some kind of relationship like that. But but listen very carefully. If you marry for sex, you're going to be disappointed. Yes. 
Sex by itself will not sustain a marriage. And women, especially in your case, because the act of sex itself, I don't want to get too deep into it. I've ministered on it extensively in the past. But when we have sex, it releases this thing called oxytocin. And this oxytocin is this attachment hormone. So we can get confused thinking that the act of se sex incited some, I'm, I'm in love. We're numb. You're in love you, with a feeling. Your, your, your hormones are raging. Which is why you're supposed to save sex for that marriage covenant. Now, now, nobody said amen right there, but that's the Bible. Save sex for marriage. Otherwise, you don't. Hold on, hold on. Until I get a better amen in a church, save sex for marriage. Thank you. Thank you. Because otherwise, you're going around attaching yourself to a whole bunch of different people, women of God, saved, sanctified. Delivered, set free, and, and let's redeemed. help single people out. We're talking about what love is not. So you do that with seven different people. Now, again, we're talking about detoxing, soul ties. They'll talk more about that on Wednesday. But that person stays in you long after the sex has ended. Harvard the University Medical Case Studies has disclosed in an ongoing research several hundreds of women. And they were finding that women had uh, an unusual, just this Y chromosome, it's the Y chromosome, right? Uh, that was just not a part of their genetic code, still in them. Years later, this is not your husband, this is not your children, what is this? And they found it and they concluded that it was the engagement of ongoing sexual relationships in time past that's still residual in the body. So then I wanna marry one person who has to now try to be seven different people. Very difficult to do. Number seven, love is not always saying yes. Love is not a doormat. Love is not always obliging. In fact, when we do that, we put ourselves oftentimes in the position of being God. You are nobody's God. It is not your responsibility to, to loan money, to always be Uber, to always be the one that's providing shelter. It is not your responsibility to be everybody's babysitter and everybody's counselor. Sometimes you have to point people back to the one who really sits on the throne and died on their behalf. Love is not always saying yes. Love is not always the one who's laying it down. Yeah, but but, uh, but he doesn't have anywhere to stay. If he doesn't stay with me, where's he going to go? I, I love him. Where's he going to stay? That means he's not yet ready for you, boo. So, so, so then what's confusing me to make me believe that I need to take care of him because I love him? It goes back to what we said earlier. It's his selfishness and your selfishness. And the right of, I'm scared I'm not going to get, he might go with somebody else. Mm, so fear. If I don't be what he needs me to be. Mm. If I don't make myself available the way she needs for me to be available. Because what ends up happening, I put next to that, flying off the handle. That's what the message says. Because eventually Because you'll start happen. off saying, yeah, 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 yeah. And then and you one know day, what? you're going to wake up what? and it's going to be all hell breaking loose. Because I'm tired the, of you sitting on this couch, not going to work. 
Not doing How nothing. many days have you had off from work? Five been, days, and you could have at least vacuumed and put away the laundry and you've been here fixed all the day? toilet. You've been here all day? And you asking me what's for dinner? So you see how we get all this mixed up? We're talking about what love is not. We do stuff so prematurely because we don't understand what real love is. Are you all getting anything out of this today? Right. Remember, if I, if I do things prematurely, it creates premature complications. Okay? Now, how we define love is imperative. If we don't know what God says love is, then we are destined to allow our emotions to define it. That's when selfishness and then satisfaction kicks in. So if you don't know the purpose of something, listen very carefully. If you don't know the purpose of something, abuse is inevitable. If you don't understand the purpose of a car, you won't get the oil changed. You won't get it serviced every 90 days. You won't rotate the tires. But you'll say the car is a cheap car and they didn't build it right. When in reality is you're not taking care of the car and maintaining the car the way the book purposed it to be maintenanced. Now we're blaming the car. Is it the car or our inability to care for the car the way the car was designed to be cared for? If we don't understand the purpose of something, abuse is inevitable. That's right. So knowing what love is supposed to look like will help us identify abuse, neglect, neglect, and even success. When we know what love is supposed to look like, then we can easily identify abuse, neglect, and even when it's successful. See, oftentimes people find themselves in abusive situations. Now, we make mistakes and we hurt people, but when it's ongoing, when we want to hold people in jail for something they did 20 years ago, uh, and, and, and we say we love each other, but we still want to hang on to what they did 20 years ago, it's abuse. It's called emotional abuse. That's right. So when we don't understand what love is, and it's because they didn't understand what love is, they may find themselves in abusive and neglectful situations, and that's why you have this thing called domestic violence and domestic crimes. And then they'll go right back to the situation because they don't really understand what real love is. And they haven't learned to love themselves. Yep. So... Love operates off of two foundational principles. We said all of that, and we can be confident in all of that if we understand these two foundational principles. The two foundational principles, number one, seed, time, and harvest. When we sow love, we have to give it time. We will get a harvest. It may not be from that individual, but we will get a harvest. When we find favor coming our way, it's the harvest. When we find people want to do good things for us, it's a harvest. When we see that promotion, it's a harvest. Because who you are in love isn't just circumspect of an individual. It's circumspect of who you are, period. Galatians chapter 6, verse 8, in the uh, King James, it says, For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Yes. See, Galatians chapter 6 starts out talking about relationships and how we should bear one another's burdens. And he starts out by saying, Hey, don't be deceived, for God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. So if we sow love, the most powerful force in the earth, right. 
Give it enough time. You've sown God, yeah. for God is love. Yeah. And God says, I'm going to show up big on my behalf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number two, you can't love God if you don't love your brother. Mm. All right, I want to work with this. I won't take happen. a few moments. It can't, it's impossible. You can't love God if you don't love your brother. Now, with a show of hands, how many of y'all would say, I love God? Show of hands, raise your hand. Say it out of your mouth. Say, I love, I love God. God. Do you mean that? Yes. All right, you said, I love God. Let's read 1 John chapter 4, verses 20 and 21 out of the King James Version. 1 John 4, 20, 21. Can't love God if you don't love your brother. Watch this now. <laughs> if a man say, mankind, I love God, that's what we all just said, right? But and hateth his brother, love less or detest, he is a liar. Can't make it more plain than that, right? 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 So I can admit, I, I'm telling you right now, there are people that I, I can honestly say I detest. I don't hate them, but I don't need to be around them. Anybody else in here willing? I'm talking about how to develop this. You've got to be honest with yourself. So he is a liar. I accept that in that situation. Anybody else in here willing to be honest? I accept that in that situation. I accept that. I am lying when I say I love God and I detest that individual. I accept that for me. And I need to grow up. Ouch. Watch this. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, mm. how can he love God whom he has not seen? This commandment have we from him, that he who loves God loves his brother also. Okay. Now, I want to challenge us here today, because all he's simply saying is, is that if my love is in you, there's no way for you to detest him or her. Everyone in here agree with that. So I want to challenge all of us today to, to do something that demonstrates we're the bigger person in that situation. Some of you all have family members you haven't spoken to in years. Some of you all have parents you haven't talked to, children you haven't talked to, brothers and sisters, siblings. I mean, we need to grow up. We cannot move forward in a healthy relationship with all this baggage coming along with us. Eventually, whoever we are will show up in our future relationship. That's right. So let's close the door on all that past garbage. And so don't get it twisted. Again, we're talking about agapeo. We're talking about God's kind of love. The social morals. The social moral sense where you don't want to see them suffer. You don't want to see them in distress. You want to see them prosper. Even the grievous of enemies. You know, the one that shot my brother. You know, the one that raped my best friend. The one that might have did something to me. We have a responsibility to agape to love them in a social and moral sense. And sometimes, most times, many a times, 
It doesn't mean that you go back and have a conversation and engage in a relationship and try to pick it up or still. No, sometimes distance is healthy. But a simple text that says, hey, thinking about you and praying that all is well. Sometimes sending a birthday card is enough. Sometimes baby steps are oftentimes healthy. So that you're found to be in a place of resolve, true forgiveness, and love. And that you're not carrying the disdain, the distrust, the pain, and the hurt of yesteryear into wherever you're going. Because remember, love operates off of the principle of seed, time, and harvest. And we can't say we love God and we still hate our brother. I want to use so, a quick example of that. My first cousin just passed. And how many know sometimes that family stuff can run deep? And her brother was, uh, we were real close growing up. But the reality is we probably haven't talked in 15 years. And so now I'm in Detroit and the Lord says to me to go over his house. I mean, on my flesh said, I'm not going nowhere. Because this might turn into something it doesn't need to turn into. But I love him. But I love, but I'm saying I love God and him, right? I get over there and it was the most amazing experience. First thing came out of his mouth, man, you haven't stepped foot in this house in over 15 years. I appreciate you coming by and seeing me. Then we sat out and talked, and we just hashed out everything. And I told him why I had been the way that I had been for so long. And he told me why he had been the way that he had been for so long. And we just hugged each other and cried, and we embraced and we committed to each other that we'll never let this happen ever again in our lives. And I want you all to know I grew up that day. I became a bigger man. I became a better person because we can put, this is my cousin. And I mean, oh, love should be bigger than our differences. One of his only surviving cousins on One his father's time. And check cousins. this out. It was not about who was right or wrong. Yeah. It was just an offering of some understanding so we can get back to love. As I conclude now, we don't have the ability in our flesh to define what love is. We have to go back continuously to the reference point, to the origin and the focus of who defines love. And because all too often when we allow our emotions to, get in, to start determining what love is, we're like this. And that's why all too often we find ourselves seeking out that euphoric state of love, that emotional type of love in all these relationships. And we find that we are with the same type of people over and over and over again. And then we find out that we attract the same situations over and over and over again because we never did a self-check on what our love walk looks like. And how many of you know Hurt people hurt people. That's good. But misery loves company. And when you pair those two, it's this ugly cycle, cycle. that seems to never end. And so this is why we find, uh, so this is why we have to go back to God's word and continually meditate on what that is. Whenever you find yourself in a tough spot as far as a relationship is concerned, regardless of what the relationship is, because you can't love your spouse until you understand what the foundational kind of love is. You have to love him as brother first. I have to love him as my fellow Christian first and honor him as that first because that's what's eternal because there's no marriage in heaven. 
So what the relationship that's going to be forever that I really need to concentrate on is our eternal relationship. That's why friendship is so important to any healthy relationship. Exactly. First John chapter 3, verse 9 and, the, and 10 in the Passion Translation, it says, Everyone who is truly God's child will refuse to keep sinning because God's seed remains in him. And he is unable to continue sinning because he has been fathered or loved by God himself. Here is how God's children, how many of you are God's children? Can be clearly distinguished from the children of the evil one. Anyone who does not demonstrate righteousness and show love to fellow believers is not living with God as his source. I didn't say that. That's the word of God. So no one understands. We believe that, you know, oftentimes I hear people say God is in control. No, God is only in control for it, it, with as much as you've given him control over. That's right. But he made us in control, That's especially good. if you're a Christian. Yeah. The expectation is that you will always choose righteousness, and even if you make a mistake, you will always choose love. Yeah. You know, this week, as I'm preparing to close right now, and people are starting to search their hearts, even online, this week we have... The these seven days we've experienced a pendulum of emotions last Sunday one of America's greatest athletes, philanthropists and human well-doers passed away tragically untimely with his 13 year old daughter That's what's up. a whole family mother father, daughter, left a young girl without her family. A mother and daughter is gone. He finds himself suddenly a single father. And a coach, a loved one, gone. Nine people. And we all were sad about it. And we all were shocked about it. And the reality is tomorrow isn't promised to any of us. And what we do today counts. Your decisions today count. Your love today counts. Your love today counts. And if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you haven't begun to understand his love. But you've been a recipient of his love just because you have breath in your body. You've been the beneficiary of his love because you're here. You've been the beneficiary of his love because there's clothes on your back. You've been a beneficiary of love because for most of you, there's shelter. For those of you who are looking online, you have something to look online with. You've been the beneficiary of his love because he died for you. He put his body on the cross and took a punishment that you deserved. If you think of what woulda, shoulda, and coulda been, you, when you reflect on yesteryear, you can't help but to say, thank you, Father, but for the grace of God. And then tonight, you're going to have people in people's houses celebrating food. Both sides of this were all responses, that are all responses of people being in relationship with one another.
people relating to people, whether they knew them or not, because of a common need. And that commonality is love. So, while people are 